Good to see you tonight. We're over in the book of Acts, of course. We're hitting uh, two chapters that it wasn't too long ago. We went over these on a Sunday. But we're in Acts chapter 4 here tonight. We just had the miracle of the lame man who was raised up. We looked at that last, last Wednesday. And so here in this one, we have um, in Acts chapter 4. Verse 1, now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Now we're going to see here that these people are greatly disturbed. How many of you have run into people that get greatly disturbed? It seems to be a certain class, a certain group of people who always get into this place of being greatly disturbed. And we're going to look at one group of them here. These are supposed to be religious people. We know uh, from things we've looked at before with these folks that they are not very religious at all. They're just the religious leaders, but they are not serving God or pursuing God or going after His Word in any way. We're going to see in this passage that the disciples prayed for boldness. The question that I posed to you here in the beginning is, is our boldness motivated by what the kingdom of God will gain or, but, or what we may lose? Boldness in people is sometimes motivated more, more by what we, in, we think we will lose than what the kingdom of God is perceived to gain. We have to make sure we keep our boldness on the right side. The religious leaders here are bold because of what they Fear they will lose. If people pursue after this Jesus, they're going to get rid of us. The disciples are bold because they are in the pursuit of the kingdom of God. So boldness does not always mean you're on the right side. You have to make sure, find out what the boldness is about. The Word of God teaches us about uh, a lot of twos. Way back in the beginning, back in the book of Genesis, God set in the, in the garden a whole mess of trees but he pinpointed two. Because for God, things are always about a choice. It's always about a choice. God is constantly putting us in front. When the angels, when, when Lucifer fell, what did God tell the angels they had to do? Between two, God or Satan. They had to choose between two. God is, he does not believe in multiple choice. He believes in choices of two. I think he's, God is much more comfortable with a true or false test than he is a multiple choice one or an essay test. He just wants to, here's two choices, which one you want to do. Remember when uh, Moses had them or Joshua had them on the mountain and he said, I'm going to set before you two, two ways, two ways you can go. You can go the way of God or you can go this way over here. Which way you want to go? And he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. They had a thing of two mountains. On one mountain, the people pronounced the blessings, and on one mountain, the people pronounced the curses. Again, it was two. But here we're going to look at these. There are two kingdoms that the Word of God talks about. In Luke chapter 11, verse 18, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? The Satan has a kingdom, and God has a kingdom. There's a choice of two kingdoms. You're either going to be in God's kingdom or... You're going to be in Satan's kingdom. There was a singer who was around. He used to be a secular singer. He got saved for a little while uh, and then did some Christian songs. And I believe he went back into the, uh, into the other 
types of songs. Um, I cannot think of his name. I, he d- does not appeal to me at all. Even when he was singing Christian songs, it's like, why would people listen to this stuff? But uh, just an awful voice, I thought. Um, I just can't think of it. But he, some of you may probably think about who this, who this guy is. But he did this thing, you got you to gotta serve somebody. You got to see it. I don't remember who it was, but he said, yeah, did the whole thing. You just got to serve somebody. Just the worst, awful singing voice I've ever heard in my life by someone who actually got paid to sing. But um, he uh, didn't stay in the Christian circles too long. Apparently, he showed up at some Christian concerts trying to sing some of his secular stuff, and they didn't take to it too well, and so he didn't take to them. But there's two kingdoms. There's also two fathers. In John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks for his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so there we have that they are the, of, the, of their father, the devil. Who's the other father? God the father. God the father. Even when we look at the uh, born of man, you were either born of the first Adam or you were born of the second Adam which is Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So there's two gods. There is God, the Almighty, and there is the God of this world. And you can be under either one. You can be under either Father. You can be, it's your choice which one you're going to be, but it's always a choice with God. He's always given us a choice. Too many times the Christian church has not given people choices. They have given people absolutions. You will not do this, right? We're always told things that we cannot do. Very seldom are we told of things that we can do. (laughs) Instead, we're generally told what we cannot do. All right, you won't dance, you won't drink. You won't smoke. You won't, all these different things we're not supposed to do. But what can you do? God is always about choices. He's not about don't do this. He's saying do this instead. Instead of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, eat from the tree of life. He's giving them a choice. I'd rather you do this. This is, this is better. <laughs> Go out here and do this one. So God is about choices. But here we have uh, two gods, two fathers, two kingdoms. Put in your outline, there are many ways, at least I think I did. may have taken it out, actually. There are many ways to determine which one you are of. There are many ways to tell which one you're of, which father you're of, which God you're of, which kingdom you're of. But what we're going to look at today is this idea of boldness. It is not just Christians that are bold. It is not. just. There's a lot of, how many of y'all know there's some boldness on the devil's side? There's boldness on there. Just not just Christians that are bold. Just because we are bold does not mean we are right. I made a note on, on my part here. What disturbs people identifies them as well as what excites them. What disturbs people identifies them just as much as what excites them. Sometimes we tend to look at what excites people as our means to identify them. But sometimes it's what disturbs them which will help us. These religious leaders are disturbed because someone got healed. Does that make sense? Let's go on in verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men, not counting the women and not counting the children, came to be about 5,000. 
So there was more than 5,000 that got saved. But that's just the number of men. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at, at Jerusalem. Some of the background on this, Annas was the high priest for a while, but he did some things that he couldn't be high priest anymore, and he got basically uh, kicked out, forced out. And so he still wanted to be high priest, so he got his son-in-law to be priest, high priest instead. But there are some places when his son-in-law was supposed to be high priest, and Annas is still called the high priest. That's how powerful this guy was. They were not into doing the will of God. They were in a position of power for what it did for them and for what it gained them for. They're supposed to be there to serve the people. But they're not serving the people. They're serving themselves. We sure get a taste of this, not in the, uh, not in the um, religious political circle, but in the political circle itself here in this country. We have a whole lot of folks that are in the Congress, in the Senate in the different branches of government, and they're out there to serve themselves. It is amazing how many senators get rich on a $140,000 salary. Become, come out multi-million, multi-millionaires on a salary of $140,000. I think that's rather amazing. They're not there to necessarily serve the will of the people. They're there to serve themselves. And this is what the religious leaders of this day had come upon and what Peter and John are facing. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? I think it's fascinating that these folks actually asked by what name. Maybe they heard. that they Well, they did by the name of, and so maybe that's why they asked, because I don't think they really see power in a name. But somehow they asked this, so maybe they got wind from somebody on the streets who said they said it in the name of Jesus. Jesus, he's dead. Why would they be saying that? So they may be asking questions like that. But that's how they phrase the question. By what power or by what name have you done this? Now, here's the thing. They did this by the power of God. And the religious leaders don't recognize it. The religious leaders are fighting against it. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. You would think if these were real religious leaders, if someone stood up filled with the Holy Spirit, something on the inside of them would bear witness that, hey, this is good. But no. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well. They're they're judging the deed by what means he was made well. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. So that's boldness right there because he is not trying to hide at all what has gone on. Jesus, the one from Nazareth, the one that you guys crucified, the one that God raised from the dead, that one. (laughs) That's about as clear as you can get. And he's, now this is bold. He's standing right there too. The one you crucified. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Whoa. We got a man here standing who's been lame for 30, 40 years. 
The people have witnessed this man being lame by the gate, not being able to move for all those years. He is raised up. And Peter is saying, this man is witness that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom these guys crucified, was raised from the dead. And by his name and by his power, we raised him up. Here's the witness. That's pretty powerful. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. He's quoting Jesus now. This is one of those statements that got them all upset. You all rejected them. You all, the ones right here in front of me that are accusing me. <laughs> Nor is there a salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no, he's, he's preaching an exclusive gospel. There is only one way to get saved. There's only one name. And he's telling it to all of them. This is it. If you don't come through Jesus, it ain't happening. So if they are resistant to this Jesus that he's teaching, what does that tell all the people? That they're, they're resistant to salvation. Whom they're supposed to teach them how to get saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, it wasn't real hard to see that, was it? Even they could pick it up. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They haven't been through all the schools that we've been through. Look how bold they are. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Came to like, oh yeah, all those times we saw Jesus, we saw these guys. They were with them. I remember them now. Their focus was mostly on Jesus. But, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys were there. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. It amazes me that they would want to. But people who are caught up in a lie, people who are caught up in the wrong kingdom, would rather deny reality than admit that they're wrong. That's powerful deception. But when they had commanded them to go, outside, go aside out of the council, all right, we need to have a talk, but we can't do it with them here. They conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. If they could, they would. They would prefer to deny what is right in front of the people if they could get their way, if they could get their wish. Does that sound like people today? Have you seen this attitude in people today? It's exactly the same attitude that was in the religious leaders, and it is of the same spirit. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. All right, well, we can't stop what's happened, but we got to keep it from spreading. So here's what we'll do. We're going to severely threaten them. We are going to severely threaten them. We're going to make it so that they don't want to go out there and do this anymore. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. And I bet they felt real bold, and I bet they felt real tough. You guys, we're going to let you go. We're going to be real nice to you and let you go. And they're saying, what did we do? <laughs> we healed a guy who's been lame that you guys couldn't do anything with. We used the power of Jesus and healed a man who was like, what did we do that you would try and hold us? We're going to let you go. We're going to be real nice. We feel like we're in a good mood today. We're going to let you go. As long as 
You don't teach in this name anymore. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. He didn't just say, nope, not going to do it. He said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We can't speak the things that you want us to. We have to speak the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. This is not the answer that they wanted. They're not happy about this answer. This is, this is not what they expected. They figured, you know, if we threaten them, they'll be afraid. They'll be quaking in their boots. So when they had further threatened them, what else can you do? Further threaten them. You know, <laughs> well, we'll just kind of threaten them a little bit more. Because they, they weren't taking it. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. They could have punished them, but because of the people, there was not a way to do it. How can you beat people if the people are saying, wow, this is great? It's not going to work out so well for them. And so, again, they're not concerned about the truth. They're not concerned about the way of God. They're not concerned about the things of God being preserved. What they're concerned about is their power being intact. And what they have, they're not losing. That's all they care about. They do not care about the man who was lame, who has been healed. They don't care that he was healed. What they care about is that they're losing something. We've got to find a way not to lose it. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And he was lame from his birth. Now, we don't know again what, what uh, age he was when they first brought him to the gate. But they brought him there every day after they started. We see the boldness for God is motivated by, first off, the love of God. Peter and John are bold. Others in the Word of God are bold because of the love of God. They have a love for God, and that causes them to be bold. Secondly, they have a love of His Word. There's a love of God, and there's a love of His Word. Paul was there going around teaching the gospel. He was bold. He had a love for God. He had a love for the Word of God. And number three, it was a love for others. A love of God, a love of His Word, and a love of others. This is the thing that will motivate a servant of God. These three things. Boldness for Satan's kingdom is motivated by, first off and foremost, I think, love of self. Love of self. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. These works of the flesh, these are things, it comes from a love of self, not a love of God. There's a love of self. I love myself. I want what I want. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be who I want to be. Many of these uh, young kids are growing, are, are growing up, get into the movie, get into the acting and, and, the, and the public limelight, are, are doing things that are appalling to people. 
how are they acting? They think by acting in these kind of ways, dressing in the way that they do, saying the things that they do, that it gets them attention. And it sells albums, it sells movies, it sells whatever it is that they're trying to, to do. And they feel good because they make money. Regardless of that. There's, the love there is for a love of self. We don't care what it does. Does it help me? Whereas people in the kingdom of God are concerned about first off the love of God, the love of his word, the love of others. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Much more bold to speak the word without fear. It's fear that holds us back. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. Some people will preach Christ from envy, getting people to be envious, getting people to be in strife, getting some, or, and some also from goodwill. There's envy, there's strife, and there's goodwill. Which one would, would Paul be? There's a lot of people that are going around, and we've, we've uh, talked about it often, in the political circles, in the press circles, when they are pressing you to be envious of other people, when they are pressing you to have strife with other people. This is wrong. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. One is out of selfish ambition, and the other is out of love. What will we preach the gospel from? There are people not just promoting the kingdom of God, people that are supposedly in the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of God out of selfish ambition, out of envy, out of strife. There are preachers who get up and stir up anger between one group of people and another. These are not ministers of the gospel. These are ministers of Satan in the kingdom of God. Don't listen to them. Turn them off. We cannot have that. We cannot be divided into groups. We cannot be divided into the rich and the poor. We cannot be divided into blue collar and white collar. We got to be united. We got to be loving other people. If they're not of the kingdom of God, we need to go out there and love them and help bring them in. Not sit there and, well, you're not one of the kingdom of God, so we don't like you. You're not helping the kingdom of God, so I'm going to do this. We can't do that. That's not how we, we do it. We've mentioned them before. There's some of those ministers out there. They go by the name Reverend so-and-so, Reverend this, Reverend that, and they are doing nothing for the kingdom of God. All they do is stir up people to anger, stir up people to do things that they shouldn't be doing. And they still go by the name Reverend. I get appalled by them every time I hear them in the news. Philippians 2, verse 1, Therefore, if any, if, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. Don't let anything be done by that. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
How many times can you hear this when people are talking other people are not esteemed highly? Other people are put down because you don't, they don't agree with me. They don't look at things in the, the way that I do. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. It is not wrong for you to look out for your interests because no one is going to look out for your interests more than you will. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says just don't look out just for your interest. Look out also for the interest of others. In doing so, the world goes around a whole lot better. Look out for your interest, but also look out for the interest of others. Sometimes religion has been preached in such a way that you need to forego everything of yourself and just look out for other people. You do that, you won't last long. You'll lose everything. You have nothing to give. See, that's a doctrine out of the pit of hell. This is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is very clear. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest. That's not saying don't do it. But also for the interest of others. The Word of God does not say don't love yourself. It does say love others as yourself. In order to love others as yourself, you have to have a love of self. It's okay to love yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. God does not want you to hate you. He wants you to love you. If you are in love with yourself, you can love other people better. But if you love yourself to the exclusion of everyone else, that's when you get into problems. Love other people as you do yourself. So the first thing we see, boldness for Satan's kingdom is motivated by a love of self. Second is love of my rights. Well, I get to do this, and I get to do this. We, we see this very often in the, the, the uh, idea of, of um, freedom of speech. We think that the freedom of speech means you have the freedom to say anything you want to. And it's not exactly the way that it is. You have the freedom to say anything you want to and bear the consequences of what you say. That's what the freedom is. Freedom comes with responsibility. If you are going to be free to say whatever you want, you will also bear the responsibility of what it is that you say. But see, they, they try and push it to this thing that we had the freedom to say anything we want, to try and get people to see, oh, that can't be right. We've got to pull that out of the Constitution. We, we can't have that in there. No, you, if, if you have the freedom to say whatever you want, you also have the freedom to bear the responsibility of what you say. And the Word of God never advocates saying whatever's on your mind. It tells us to be careful, to think before we speak, to engage our mind, to engage our spirit before we engage our mouth. Love of my rights. Well, I have a right to do this. And then pretty soon rights become kind of uh, uh, blurred. What is a right? What, what really is a, a right? Do we have a right to do this? And we have a right to do this? And we have all kinds of stuff. Well, I have a right to a good job. No, you don't. No one has a right to a good job. You have an opportunity to go get one, but you don't have a right to it. If you don't want to work, you're not going to get a good job. If you don't want to get trained, if you don't want to listen to people when you're on the job, you're not going to get a good job. People are going to say, you don't listen to anybody. <laughs> you're not going to get a good job. It's not that it is a right. It's an opportunity. We have opportunities for all kinds of things. But when we start turning opportunities into rights, you have an opportunity as you grow 
uh, grow older to change the car out that you have for another car. <laughs> you don't have a right to have a car. You have an opportunity. You don't have a right to own a house. You have an opportunity. But you see how we're getting these, these lines blurred? Everyone has the right to own a house. No. Everyone has the right to own a house who can pay for it. Everyone has a right to own a car who can pay for it. See, we're blurring the areas of rights and responsibilities and opportunities. And we fall in love with them. Well, I have a right for this. And if I can't afford it, then other people should pay for it. A right, by, by its own defini definition, any right that I have does not involve anyone else. If it involves someone else, it's not a right. If someone else has to do it for me, it's not a right. It's something that I want, but it's not a right. So love of my rights. This gets people in the wrong place. Love of others who agree. The people in Satan's kingdom love other people who agree with them. They will stop loving them as soon as they disagree. And that's how you can tell which kingdom they're of. Their love is based on these things. So we have a love of self. We have a love of my rights. And we have a love of others who agree. But the Word of God says we just love others. Whether they agree with us or not is not part of the issue. We can just love them. Put this in your outline too. Those in pursuit of the truth will abandon any cause shown to be opposed. People in God's kingdom love truth. You can't be in God's kingdom if you don't love truth. You have a love for the truth. You have so much of a love for the truth that when light comes that exposes something you believed to have been truth to be shown that it's not, you will drop it because you have a love of the truth. If someone comes by and shows you in the Word, look at what the Word says. Oh, the Word does say that. I didn't realize the Word said that. You will drop whatever, whatever belief you had before that because the Word has been opened up to you. And you'll see it. Oh, you'll, you'll drop that. Any, you'll abandon any cause as soon as you see the truth. It doesn't matter. No, this is what the truth of God. If I'm for that cause, then I'm fighting against God. And that's we, that we can't have. Now, this is something that Paul did. Paul had a love for God. He was zealous for God. He thought killing Christians was part of that. That was a cause he picked up. But God came down and gave him light. And when he saw the light, he abandoned the cause immediately. He was a lover of truth. He just had the wrong truth. But when he was shown the right truth, he abandoned the cause that he was on. You see, because without truth, any cause that you work for isn't worth it. We've got to find the truth. Those in pursuit of their cause will combat any truth shown to be opposed. There's a big difference between the two kingdoms. Kingdom of God, those in pursuit of the truth will abandon any cause shown to be opposed. That's the kingdom of God. Kingdom of Satan, those in pursuit of their cause will combat any truth shown to be opposed. This is what they will do. And in this day and age, we have so many examples of this. We could spend all night just talking about them all. Most of them you are familiar with. One of the ones that we've, uh, we've talked about over and over in this church is that whole global warming thing. 
I, I copied onto this piece of paper four articles that have just been released on the global warming thing. One came from the UK Daily Mail. Now, I'm just reading you the headlines. If any of you want any more information on any of these things, I'll send you the whole link to the article. Global warming is just half what is said, what we, what we said. World's top climate scientists admit computers got the effects of greenhouse gases wrong. They go in the article and they talk about how the, the, um, the models that they used don't account for things like cloud cover and the effects of the sun. And not a single one of these models is producing any of the results or any of the results they predicted, none of them are coming true. Here's another one. The Climate Depot. UN IPCC in crisis as climate predictions fail. The Huffington Post. Daniel Patrick Moynihan warned Nixon. Remember when Nixon was president? That was in the 60s. Warned Nixon to act on global warming. New documents show. They told him to act on global warming that he had, I believe, 20 years. Now, in 1970, they switched it, and it went from global warming to global cooling. That was a 70s thing. They went up to cooling, and then they switched back to global warming because no one was buying the cooling thing. <laughs> Remember Ted Danson? Mm-hmm. 1960s, predicted that the oceans would be dead in 20 years. The oceans are not dead. No, they are not. The oceans are vibrant alive. People have told you that, but it's not true. You're looking at one little spot and one little thing that you pull up. I can show you, I can show you documents all over. People have fed you lies. If you want me to show it to you, I'll show you document after document after document. Let me read another one here for you. Fox News in 2007. Gore says Arctic ice could disappear by 2013. He said this in the year 2007. Arctic ice could disappear by 2013. What year is it? 2013. In the South Pole, they have now a record amount of ice for this time of year. In the North Pole, it is 60% over the average for this time of year. 2013. Al Gore's stuff is so full of lies, he can no longer go into a place and publicly debate it. Because people will pinpoint it. It was his movie was not allowed to be shown in Europe because without showing the 13 fallacies in the movie. You had to put a disclaimer out there of the 13 fallacies depicted in the movie. They're saying right now that the thing we didn't predict was the effect of air pollution on climate change. They said air pollution caused climate change. Now they're saying it cools it. So they say there's no, no consistency with it at all. We've told you the facts before. Any one major volcanic eruption, in the la- uh, any of the top, top 10 major volcanic eruptions in the last 50 years, I think even go 20 years, any one of them, just one, puts out more glo- what they call global warming gases than all the cars ever made since we started making them. One Volcanic eruption. And the earth does what? It just keeps going on. The oceans are teeming with life. They try and tell us that polar bears are on the way out, but polar bear population is higher than it has ever been. 
but they don't want to promote all these things. They want to promote the lies. And they have a whole lot of people that are buying into it. But now the people are beginning to come out. They're not afraid anymore. And they're beginning to say, these are lies. We know about the hockey stick graph, the guy over Penn State, all based on falsehood. He guessed. He just filled in all the, all the stuff he wanted to do. But this is where they go. And if you looked at and Al Gore went around this country and told people, anyone who said anything against it, there was a consensus that global warming was right. You know what? We had a consensus that the earth was flat. There was a consensus. Consensus does not make science right. Facts do. And there's many times in science that only one or two people disagreed with the facts. What people put in is facts. Only one or two people disagree with the consensus. And you talk to some people, and some people are adamant on this, and they'll chop your head off if you try and tell them that this stuff isn't so. They don't care about the facts. The facts are all around. The earth has actually cooled some over the last 10 years, but they, don't, they won't promote that one. The earth has actually cooled over the last 10 years, and they're not, they're not promoting it. They don't want people to know it, but it has. But fortunately, a lot more people are coming out and they're standing up against these people who want to promote the lies. God told Adam and Eve, what about the garden? Keep it. Keep it. Sierra Club won't let anybody keep the forest anymore. They want the forest just to go as they are natural. Now, if you talk to people on this, you will find some very angry people. And, but the angry people want to make everyone else do what they say is true Whereas the people on the other side simply want to bring the facts and debate them. But they don't. If you try and debate Al Gore on this, he'll just hit you over the head. He just wants to go around and say what is so. Even though there are more and more scientists that are getting away from his camp. You have people in the political circle who want to debate some of the things that we are doing in our country right now. But the people who want to promote them don't want to debate them. They want to do them. And that's it. And then there's no debate for it. And we just act on the things. This is wrong. This is characteristic of the kingdom of Satan. You are either in one of two kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of God, you're in the kingdom of Satan. Can't be in both. There is no third kingdom. You're either of your father the devil or of your father God. The characteristics of each family, the characteristics of each kingdom are very clear. We talked about it on Sunday. When people are in the kingdom of God, they pursue the truth. They speak truth to the situation. When people are in the kingdom of Satan, they want to suppress the truth. And it's really easy to see the difference between the two. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God and with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and, sea, and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. The boldness is to speak the truth. 
Many people will not hear it. They shut themselves down. They're not seeking after truth. They're hanging on to their cause. By stretching out your hand to heal, and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together were shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. It's good to be bold, but it's good to be bold for the right cause. How many of y'all know Henry Winkler? Fonzie? I enjoy him as an actor, but as a person, sometimes his views are a little weird. We had that episode with the shooting that went on, and I heard that Henry Winkler went up and tweeted. I don't tweet, so I didn't see, I didn't see it. He talked about how that we needed to do something about the gun violence and needed to have gun laws and, and all those normal standard things that people want to do. You know, whenever somebody does something bad with a gun, we need to take everybody's guns away. Now, if you try and combat that with any of the truth, there are certain people that will just get upset and angry at you. But what Henry didn't understand was the place where the shooting was was a gun-free zone. Gun-free zone. A military base, but a gun-free zone. We have a several military bases around the country that the, that the military people are not allowed to have guns. Does that make sense? These are the people we train to have guns, and they can't have guns, so that when someone comes on the campus, as it happened in Texas, and as it happened over here in Washington, people come on with guns. No one can stop them until someone comes from outside. That does not make sense to me. You have a gun thing that went on, and the people point to a, the gun laws are the problem, but the gun laws are what created the problem. So the people that are pinpointing the issue are not looking at the truth of what's going on in the situation. It doesn't matter who pulled the trigger in this particular instant. What matters is they're pointing to the laws as being the problem. And the laws created the problem. But the people who point to the laws as being the problem are the ones who want to make more laws to stop the problem. And that's their goal. Their goal is to make more laws. That's why I'm saying it's not important that he's mentally... I know he was mentally ill. But the problem was not that he was mentally... The problem is that people want to look at the laws and say, the laws let us down. The laws let us down because the laws would prevent what would have stopped it. So to make more laws would only prevent what would have stopped it even more. But people are not looking at that. All you got to do is bring it to the truth of the situation. The truth of the situation is that people who won't go in with guns go into places where there are no guns. They did it in the school up in Connecticut. They did it in the base down in Texas. They go into places where there are no guns because then there's no one to oppose them. So they say that the solution is to create more laws to get rid of more guns. But here's the truth of the thing. In all these situations, if you just look at the truth, of, if Henry Winkler would have just looked at the truth of it, he would see he's talking about a gun-free zone that is created by laws. The states that do not have these kind of gun laws are the states that have the least amount of gun violence. And that's, that's all that there was with that. Henry Winkler just needed to find out what the truth was. I like Henry. He's a nice guy. But you do have to check those things out before you just put that out there. If the law created a situation, the law is not going to necessarily wipe it out. In verse 31, and one day had prayed, the place where they are assembled together were shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. One of many times, the kingdom of God has met up 
with the kingdom of Satan. We see this a lot of times in the Word of God. The kingdom of Satan will meet up with the kingdom of God. Which one has the authority of the government? Most of the time, governments in the world have been on the side of Satan. Not just our government, we're talking about all the governments. Most of the governments have been there. Our founding fathers were the most spirit-filled men in government that I know of. They were fantastic. Most of them had, had uh, seminary degrees. They sought after the word. They prayed before each meeting. But as time went on, all that began to erode away and to go away. How many have ever heard of, uh, what is it called, American exceptionalism? I heard a politician recently tried to define that, and they defined it wrong. American exceptionalism is that no other country has used its resources to promote freedom in the world. That's American exceptionalism. No other country has used its resources to promote freedom. We used it to promote freedom in our own country, and then we went from there and we used it to promote freedom in other countries. We help liberate other countries and let them be liberated. No other nation in the world used, spilled their own blood to free people and then set them free. They took them over. And no other country in the world made the advances in 200 years that this country did. No other country in the world made the advances that this country did in the amount of time that it's been here. American exceptionalism is this. We believe in freedom. We believe that freedom is a God-given uh, right, that men should be free. And we believe that from the Word of God. Most nations we read about in the Bible, in history, are about tyrants who take away the freedoms of men to get what they want. Most people born in this world have been born under a tyrant who took away their freedom. This country was the one, one place where freedom stood. We have people in government right now who wish to take that away. They want to take away one, one amendment or they want to take away the Bill of Rights or they want to take away different things. We need to understand freedom is huge. God wants us to be free. He set us free from sin. He set us free from the power of sin. He set us free from Satan's kingdom to be in his kingdom. His kingdom is not about bondage. It's about liberty. We are free to do things. In this country, we are still free to do far more than most countries are. But many people are trying to suppress that. Many people want to create more laws about that. And what you had in Acts chapter 4 is religious leaders who simply want to create more laws, more threats to silence the kingdom of God. How do those in Satan's kingdom treat those in God's kingdom? Oh, it's real easy to see, isn't it? Threats, commands to be silent, and look to deny the truth of what happened. And they do the same thing today. They look at threats, they look at commands to silence, and look to deny the truth of what happened. They did it with the miracles. They did it with Jesus' resurrection. They did it with other things that Paul had done. They looked to threaten. They command to be silent. And they looked to deny the truth of what happened. Other instances include beatings. People were beaten. Paul was beaten. Peter was beaten. John was beaten. Others were beaten for their faith in God to get them to be silent. 
But how many people did Paul beat? How many people did John beat? How many people did Peter beat? How many people did Jesus beat? It's not it. But every one of those was beaten. The kingdom of Satan is easily recognized as those who try to first off deny, twist, and misrepresent the truth. They will deny, they will twist, and they will misrepresent the truth. They will silence the opposition. And they will favor those who agree. We're called into this, this world. Well, one more. They have threats toward those who don't. They have threats toward those who don't agree. We are called into this world to bring the light, to bring the truth to people. There are many who will not hear it. There are many who will not receive it. The Word of God says, don't cast your pearls before swine. If they're not going to receive it, well, then there's no real sense in going on with it. But we don't beat them or threaten them or cause them to try and, uh, you know, uh, don't preach in this name anymore, don't preach in this name. No, we don't do that. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about here are the, here are, here's the light. Here's what's going on. We will continue to face this because the spirit of Antichrist is getting stronger and stronger. And we will continue to face more and more things coming against the church. Stay in the way of light. Don't fall into the way of darkness. Don't fall into that. And don't fall into the same pattern that they do. Don't, the patterns of the kingdom of God and the patterns of the kingdom of Satan are plain. And they're clear. Stay with it. Stay with the kingdom of, of light. There will be many people who will against the things that you will say. And they will speak and they will discredit. And they will do all the things that this, the kingdom of Satan will do. They will not listen. They will not sit and listen to hear. And that's okay. Just move on. Peter and John they said, hey, we're, we're going we're to stop. They went out the next day and they started preaching some more. <laughs> and they said, you know, come on. You want to do something about it? We're going to keep doing miracles. We're going to keep preaching the truth. And they did. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We live in a world that is becoming more and more dark. And those that are over the nations, those that are over the places of authority, Satan has desired to take, take them, and many have given themselves over to them. But Father, we are of your kingdom, and we are not of this kingdom. People in the New Testament were under one of the most bitter, evil kingdoms in Rome, and yet your kingdom flourished. How much better shape are we in today than they were? I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us. To stay on the way of truth, to speak the truth, to love those folks that have bought into the deceptions, and to help them to overcome. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.